Watch this. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast, brought to you in partnership with FootJoy. I am Tom Mills, and today I'm joined by Sam Williams. Thomas, thank you for having me. And Bruce Fitzpatrick. Hello. Good to be with you both. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Can we talk a little bit about the office? Yes, indeed. My my father-in-law has been around and doing it while I've been in the Carolinas. Good to know. What I'll say about your father-in-law's DIY abilities is they look far better than mine. I probably agree with that. Most people's to to be fair, but um, yeah, I mean that's quite a big old screen you've got on there. That's very um. That's for the old office, huh? That one's from the old office. Remember what is it about like waiting rooms nowadays that have just like you know disproportionately large screens? Mm. Do you need a sixty-five inch TV to watch a bit of BBC news before you you know shown into your meeting? I think they were selling one in Walmart, weren't they, Tom, for about 300 bucks the other day. The Walmart was a mind-blowing experience. We're not going to get into the America stuff on this pod, but they are large places. Mm. Do you see any guns in there? I, no. I, I saw far less gun guns and gun crime than I thought I would. I thought I'd go to America and literally everyone on the street would be like double-cocked, you know, like arms in the yeah, air. But Walmart have a big gun castle, do they not? I thought that Do they? Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Pretty sure. We didn't. We were looking for an extra suitcase to bring back merchandise, so we didn't actually. We didn't. We didn't visit the, the firearms department. But uh, how are you anyway, Bruce? More to the point. Doing okay. Yeah. You know, back at um. Back at work after um, a putter last week, which was good fun, as it always is. It's funny because, you know, it's always the first full week of January. So with New Year's Day being uh, a Monday. You know, back in the office on a Tuesday or working, I should say, on the Tuesday, working remotely, and then go go down to Ryan Wednesday. So it's quite a funny, like, sort of false start. It's a token gesture, basically. Yeah, and, you know, your colleagues who are sort of, even those who are into golf, are like, what are you doing playing a golf competition in January? Are you going abroad? It's like, nope, um, I'm going to the south coast of England. But it was it was amazing. Yeah, I had a, had a good time. We were pretty lucky with the weather. How um how about you guys? You've you only recently landed back from uh, from the states. Jet yeah, lag. jet lags. Yeah, it's yeah. not the best, is it? No, it's I'm, not great coming back. I'm pretty tired as it goes. I must say, you're very tired. I'm, I'm <laughs> pretty tired. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> tired. Uh, thing is, like this isn't a problem with planes. So we had an overnight on the way back, and I started watching um, Murder on the Orient Express. But I only got like 20 minutes in before I fell asleep. So when I got back, like last night, once I put the kids to bed, I was like, all right, I'm going to finish Mirror and the Orient Express. That was like two and a half hours later. So I didn't get to bed till like <laughs> 11. I was absolutely knackered. Yeah. Bit down um, in retrospect. Before we kick this pod- podcast off in earnest, Bruce, how did you fare in the putter? We were following your progress, which I believe <laughs> you know got it. through to the... Yeah, but I'm, I don't think our listeners are quite as, um, as dark invested. I was looking at it in breakfast and... Saturday. Yeah, whoever's updating those scores isn't doing it quick enough. So you need to have a word and just get that done a bit more timely, I think. Well, you know, in the spirit of, you know, um, the putter and rye, you know, we just kind of go at our own pace, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we're not going to have live leaderboards or anything like that following around. No golf game book. Um, no, I got through to the last 16. So that was Saturday morning. And yeah, lost lost my match. Didn't wasn't your first round pretty clutch? Oh uh, yeah, well, I was playing against a good mate from uh, 
from uni, Monty, who uh, who got to the final last year because um, it's a random draw. So there's no like seeding or anything like that. And so, uh, yeah, Monty and I, we were at uni at the same time and he, he's been playing good golf. So we um we had a good tussle, went to the 22nd hole. Um, Christ. Hilarious. Yeah. What did you do on the fourth hole at Rye then? Did you just blaze one down the right? What did I do? I hit the fairway, actually. Yeah, weirdly for me, hit the fairway um, and had a had a wedge in. So, yeah, that and then, um, yeah, Oppo just sort of held it. Monty just kind of held it up against the, the left of touch. And um, it's it's tough if you go left on the fourth there. So you got a little bit unlucky and that was that was enough for me to squeak through. But it was, yeah, yeah, there were quite a few matches actually that week went to, um, you know, went to extra holes. So Harry went to the 19th uh, in his match, sadly lost Friday afternoon. That was another good tussle. So yeah, it's quite it's quite good fun, especially as you start getting into the later rounds of it and you get like a, a bit of a, you know, a few few people who've who've um, finished their matches or maybe got knocked out earlier in the week or come out with like a glass and like sort of walk down the fairways <laughs> in the sort of fading light. Uh, good grief, young man. That's huge, that drive. Bloody <laughs> hell. Not quite. Is it but... strange that because uh, you this is your is it fourth or fifth fourth, yeah, fourth putter, you start to get to know people beyond the scope of you know who you knew in uni, yeah. Um, is it weird like you start to play against like you know mates or people you've met that are elder statesmen of the you know of the whole program? You know, is that a bit strange? Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely people who um, you know who you you know you it's such a like eclectic mix, but like a close knit mix of people. I mean, you know, there's there's broadly speaking 150, I would say 150 people who play in the putter each year. And a lot of those names, the vast majority will be regulars, I would say, and go down and, and play each year. And so um you quickly get to know who's in form and people who've got good records and have played well over recent years, people who've who've won it several times. And there's always a bit of speculation leading up to it. Uh, you know, oh, you've got a tough draw. Oh, like you should have a good first few rounds, whatever. You know, oh, you're playing a bit of an unknown quantity. He's a current, you know, undergrad, or he's, you know, no one knows what his game's like. Or, oh, you know, lots of the vast have actually played really well. So there's there's always a good bit of like speculation going on um, beforehand. Funnily enough, one one good friend um, who's a few years older, but I just got to know through through playing down there over the last few years. He was like, yeah, don't enter the puck anymore i just go in the plate on the friday because um I, I just find that you know the draw coming out and the whole experience of playing the putter would, would ruin my year for the for the sort of few months leading up to <laughs> uh, worrying about who i was going to play in the first round and just going through all these you know chaotic scenarios and catastrophizing it in my head and then when i'd lost the match i spent the next six months of the year just um kicking myself <laughs> out lost so i've just decided to kind of go into the plate <laughs> as a result which um, is quite a funny story, but yeah, you know, it's, um, it's great. It's a great laugh. Um, how about you boys? Enough about me, your trip to the States. Very Not good. A... Yeah. We'll, we'll pick it apart. I think on a, on a proper tour pod, we went Need with Ryan, the, the, the man behind the Addington. Mm. He was great. Wasn't he? Tom, Tom, yeah, Tom and Ryan brilliant. basically established what was called the back management program, which is now, very quickly become an industry leading sort of, what would you call it, Tom? It's sort of basically a health tech company now. Yeah, I'd say the back management program is is going to be soon established as one of the greatest things that's come out of golf in 2024. Essentially, it's various bespoke. So I've got a slip disc. Ryan's got a 
just an ongoing bad back. Uh, and it's very, very bespoke how you deal with the back management program. But for Ryan, it just involved not drinking beer. Apparently, it's the the chemicals in beer would would give him a bad back. So that he solved that by drinking rum. So that was okay. My back management <laughs> program included drinking loads of beer. It's just really, you know, it really differs. It's very bespoke stuff, isn't it? Yeah, bespoke. But it was so much fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll pick it apart on an upcoming pod. I mean, the, the, the sort of real interesting part was playing three, you know, very high-end, private, new-build courses in quick succession and just seeing how they're each different and what they're doing with them. So, I mean, basically we played Old Barnwell, a Hoopy, and um, Tree Farm in, in sort of almost successive days, really, a few days at a Hoopy. And, like, spoiler alert here, they were all great. So... No shock there, but it was just quite interesting seeing them. So um, it was good. You would be proud of me, Bruce. New year, new me. I have been, I've taken on a full-time coach. Um, I saw that. Hagley. Yeah. And I've started recording stats. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. He's a new man. Which, yeah. And what does the stats show? interesting. Well, it's surprising, isn't it? I actually chipped and putted very well in America. So it doesn't show that I can't get up and down. Um, but I, I think it's it's not too sort of time intensive. I'm tracking playable seconds, greens in reg, um, birdie opportunities. So sort of within 15 feet with a look of birdie, how many putts you make over 10 feet, whether you get up and down, obviously things like score. Um, and it's quite interesting. You know, it does. I think the idea is not to use that to quickly diagnose based on three rounds of golf, but to build it up over a kind of... Mm-hmm ongoing period of time yeah and i think people can get lost in the weed with of stats like there are programs out there that just are a bit too cumbersome and i'm sure they've spit out some good data but it, it i think it can take the fun away from it a little bit mm. but you've got a few categories there that you can do in your head on the drive home from the golf club that's really powerful um I mean, I consciously played foursomes, didn't you, a hoopy? But how how was the score yeah. there? Were you kind of you felt, felt like you played quite well? You had a few good rounds, a few bad rounds. What did the stats sort of show much on that front? I played Greens like a donut, donut, which is probably <laughs> not helpful. Uh, I, I was having, you know, I was having to inhale kind of uh, transfusion chases on the fourth just to kind of settle the nerves a bit. I was um, life was not good for Tom Mills, but I think Sam played all right. Yeah, played okay. It was tidy enough. The usual sort of disasters thrown in there. But um, do you know what the big takeaway when I looked at the stats was? You know, I, I played okay. I put some pretty decent rounds together. You do not get many birdie chances. If if you're if you're categorizing a birdie chance as sub fifteen feet for for for, for for a three or four or whatever, you don't get that many, do you? Um, round of golf. Um, we want to make three four around. It's like, yeah, we need to think again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I got. Yeah, I certainly didn't beat three in a round, put it that way. So, so no, it was really cool. And look, we're going to fully dissect it. Um, Are you still doing podcast. stats, Bruce? Or is that gone? Uh, I'm not doing them at this moment in time, but TBC, whether I'm going to roll them out for the 2024 season. Because <laughs> you've kind of flip-flopped. You went from like mega stats, kind of Scott Fawcett decade, then mm-hmm. to Martinez, to see the shot, wallop the shot. Uh, yeah. Just, pe- just was it wear it out? Uh, you called yourself a shot maker for a short period of time, I seem to remember. The uh, shot were you, of mine is, were yeah. you tracking stats with the with the air stuff? Uh no. I still, you know, I haven't spoken to mine for a bit, but he's um he's just an absolutely brilliant mind. And I think 
um, probably encouraged me to think about the game in a slightly deeper sort of philosophical way. He's, I don't know if you mind me saying this, but I think mine's like a philosopher really, which is probably what I need in the golf, in the golf swing or the golf Shrink. game. Yeah. And um, yeah, like the biggest problem with stats, I would say, is believing that they are, they tell the full story. Even like the granular ones like decade don't strokes gained around the greens like one of the worst metrics ever because you could have a chip from the same yardage and one could be really easy and one could be impossible and strokes gain short game and stats around short game won't factor that so yeah, up and downs like up and downs could be a great chip and a shit part or, or a great chip and an easy part or a poor chip and a great part you know what i mean yeah but even the strokes gain stuff so it's like you could have a five yard you let's say you have a 10 yard bunker shot or a 10, let me make, make, make it simpler, a 10-yard shot from the fairway to the flag. Uh, if you've got 10 yards of green between your ball and the hole, then that's quite straightforward. And let's say it's flat. But if it's you've got, you know, two yards of green and then eight yards of rough and it's downhill and there's water behind it, that's a totally different story. But the strokes gain can't sort of compete that really. So I would say at the moment I'm I'm out on on a deep analysis of stats but i think what sam is getting out there maybe something shorthand i think i could be partial to what about you Mill? where are you standing on this let's concentrate on hitting the ball first and then we can wonder about what the stats are. you've had a lot going on with the back management program haven't you really i mean that takes have, up a yeah. lot of time um and That's bringing nice. it out to market's going to take a lot of a lot of effort how are the new sticks really good the driver the driver is very good you know, Duncan built one, Duncan down, Titus built one. He said, you cannot make this go left. And I challenged him on occasion. I did. I challenged us, you know, challenge accepted. But invariably, now the, the normal swing is I'm struggling to to, to hook it, which is good. Uh, so, no, no, no. I, I mean, apart, I didn't, I'm playing myself down. I didn't play terribly, but I really threw in some absolute trash, but I didn't play terribly on the whole. And, uh, no, I think they were, I think they're right. It's nice. Sam's played well with his. He did, considering he's only played a few rounds. I mean, we don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it all, but um, no, but you know, I've got kind the, of, yeah, kind of. I mean, I've, he, was, I, he was red on 17 at Tree Farm. Spoiler alert on the 17th mm. tee at Tree Farm, he was red. Um, which I wasn't was red by the 18th green, Bruce. Like, I've, <laughs> I've actually really red. enjoyed them, yeah. So, I've, um, <laughs> well, I've got I've, I've got the T100s in the bag, and then I think sort of step up to the T2, uh, T200s, um. In the T one hundred. No, she, I said TS tonight. This is going to be good I, fun in the edit. He's yeah. still in retro mindset. So many fucking clubs. So I've got the. Uh, I'm in the T one hundreds, and yeah. then I step up to like the T two hundreds. Just a bit more help in the long rinds, uh, and I've hit those really good. I mean, my favourite comment was from the caddy around Tree Farm. Hit this three iron from about two hundred and thirty out, and he just goes, "He's absolutely hammered that one." And think, it's like airmailed the green by 15. Um, I was just, yeah, hitting them really good. Like they're flying right. solid and higher. And I'm quite enjoying trying to, trying to put a bit more work into my golf, actually. I'm actually enjoying it. It's not a journey I've ever really enjoyed. So, um, yeah, good. I'm going to try and persevere with it. So, anyway, yeah. we've been away. You've been kind of perusing and scrolling a bit and are probably a bit closer to some of the developments. Bruce, why don't you give us a quick rundown of some of the key headlines we've seen this week? Well, God, yeah, where, where to start? It's um, It's been a big couple of weeks, hasn't it, really? It's Back a fire. Um, I think the first bit of news, 
which was anticipated from, I want to say, the PNC, if not just before. Um, the Tiger Woods and, and Nike's partnership was at an end after 27 years, which has now been confirmed to be the case. I think it was Monday, um, Monday of this week. They both put up touching social media posts and they just calling an end or just announcing the end of their their 27 year partnership together which i mean it is iconic and i, I feel like we don't mm. really cover um paid athlete partnerships <laughs> very much on this mm. podcast but if there is one that we could linger on for a moment i think this seems like 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 the one that that we should you know discuss briefly um yeah, I guess I guess we saw you know there was there were, there were rumors about it back at the PNC um, with Charlie wearing some Grayson uh, outfits and whatnot, and Tiger giving a fairly um, sort of yeah quiet sort of timid response when he was asked a direct question. I guess you know golf seems to be on the back burner for Nike. They 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 left the club business a good few years ago. Um, maybe a little footnote to add: Jason Day came out with some honking clobber. On uh, <laughs> on he's Mal- dropped Nike yeah, as well, hasn't he? He's dropped Mal- and that was last week. That so that you know that was the week before the Tiger news broke. So that kind of added a bit of fuel to the fire, and then sure enough, a confirmation on Monday. Um, it's just maybe it's not that surprising, but equally, you think if there was one athlete that Nike could have just held on to for a bit longer, Tiger would have been the man. You know, he, he and and uh, Michael Jordan have just been iconic, haven't they, for that brand? Um, What's the chat? Is it is it he's going to be with Grayson? Is that the well? Yeah. So there was a footnote, wasn't there, in, in in Tiger's announcement that there is going to be another chapter, which I think is is what you're alluding to there, Mills. Whether he might be with Grayson, um, will we sign him up as a sock partner? Is that completely out of the question? Yeah. Sources of the drive. We're in early. We're in early conversations, but I just don't or, know if we're going to get it over the line. Or the mm. hat. If we could, if we could take yeah. a hat, that'd be rope hats, tour visors, some great belts, socks. <laughs> yeah. Just a, you know, just a chance to sort of put a sort of shameless plug for a merch in there. What happens? Like you say, it's it's you know all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, are you saying all bets are off in terms of who's he going to sign with next, or just Nike's place in golf? Generally? I, I think a lot of it. I think, like you say, I think you know, there's a there's a lot of speculation that you know, obviously, you know, this is a bit of a strategic move by Nike to come away from the golf business. Clearly, that's an iconic partnership. But there's a difference, isn't there? I think Nike are firmly in the basketball game. So, mm. you know, having the deal with Jordan and the fact that Air Jordan, he owns, you know, an, an element of that trademark. There's a percentage of sales. Tiger owns the TW brand. Like, that's his. Nike have no involvement in that. So that's not, I wouldn't say that's too shocking that they're stepping away from it. Weirdly, if you're Malbon and you've signed Jason Day, the, the timing could not have been better. It's weird how that whole sort of, Wood stepping away from Nike in some ways has propelled the Malbon partnership with Jason Day because it's almost put that into sharper focus. But it's weird, yeah. isn't it? It's strange but, seeing some of these sort of big brands or sort of new and emerging brands rather picking up, you know, top tier professional golfers. There's murmurs about Taylor made are going to make a bit of a play in the in the golf clothing space. Um, no, it it is interesting though, isn't it? Um, yeah, I guess Rory's the next big one. You think, uh, you know, obviously his contract could be up. Uh, at a later date, but uh, are we just going to see completely end of Nike in the golf golf world? So yeah, it'll be weird if you just if they if they completely pull out of the game. But you know, but I always it... thought it was a bit weird that they didn't because um, they entered the, the the equipment market for a bit, didn't they? And they've got the the best player in the world, and they had Rory as well, and 
Then they kind of dropped out of club making. They dropped out of ball making. They've they've been trying to feels like they've been trying to make a quiet exit for a little while. It was just kind of sort of when more than if, really. Yeah, I, I think, think it's just reflective of the fact that golf is just it's a very small sport, isn't it, compared to football and. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, you know, actual football compared to basketball, which I guess Nike's, you know, two key brands running. I mean, they're really like a running brand. I think they're losing share in running. I think that's been cited as like another yeah. thing. So I think they're probably just trying to consolidate a little bit, but far be it from us to speculate too heavily on Nike's strategic um, vision, but we'll have a bloody good go. What else have we got? We've got, we've got Slumber stepping down. Yeah. Keith Pelly stepping away. That was Big that was the, that was literally two days apart. Well, well, one was on consecutive days, rather, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Martin Slumbers has been in post at the RNA for coming up on nine years now, and um, yeah, it's been announced that he will finish his term as chief executive of the RNA Limited, but by the end of twenty twenty four. So presumably they're looking for a successor now. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if you can really blame him given what he's had to put up with over the last couple of years or so i mean you know the, the obviously the distance insight report was commissioned a few years ago now and, and i guess rollback is something that's always been on the agenda but with the rna and the usj also having to kind of play referee in this fallout between the pga tour and live coming on the scene and the fracturing of like the dp world tour covid um and having to deal with the postponement of a lot of events there the open i mean the open's grown in enormously in size and it feels like the rna probably wants to focus more on like golf development projects there's the, you know the big project near glasgow and um and i guess you know the overall sort of promotion of the game at a grassroots level as well as the open and certain flagship events and yeah he's had a pretty pretty rough ride of it so uh maybe not all that surprising to see him go but it's slightly shorter tenure than what you know his predecessors in peter dawson the late michael banalek i think they're about sort of 15 16 years mm. so it's a little bit shorter tenure but um i don't know if people are reading too much into it yeah i, I like you say it's a it's a long time isn't it and in, in to, to take a, i mean it's a pretty bruising four or five years that i would imagine Eventually, yeah. you reach a point where you're like, "God, do I really need this?" But I mean, whoever whoever steps into that post of the RNA is going to have to oversee quite a significant change to the equipment in the form of the rollback stuff, aren't they? That's going to be that's going to be a significant piece over the next few years. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they'll need to whoever comes on board will need to be signing up to that. I feel I'd be outrageous if someone stepped into into that position. And then, didn't you know what I mean? And did a complete U-turn on it or changed the rules now that they, they've kind of been laid out in front. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's some, like, these are some pretty fundamental characteristics of, or, or elements to whoever you're choosing into that post. If they're not signed up to roll back in any way, shape, or form, that's a real problem, you know? It's a bit like... I think they're only like going to hire someone who's signed up to roll back, aren't they? That's pretty much, yeah. that's done and dusted. He's going to be part of the interview process, isn't he? So he's got another year, so... I think you'll yeah. be part of it. I mean, it's not much he's done though. You know, I think this is probably Sam, you'll know as a as the head of a big multinational company. It's probably the same for all of you you big owners, but there's not much that he's done that hasn't been attacked from both sides, you know? Roll well, back that yeah. People like, oh, he, he shouldn't have rolled back, and some people didn't roll back far enough. The RNA clubhouse, which, you know, should have been done, but then it takes too long and Nearly everything he's done, he's been pretty pretty much attacked from both sides of the both sides of the aisle, which is 
pretty hard to deal with, isn't it? I think it's tricky when you're in that position, isn't it? Like Keith Pelly's in a very similar similar space there. But, you know, he was damned if you do, damned if you don't, wasn't he? So, you know, there's not enough money in the European tour, as it was known at the time. There's the emergence of a lot of money from the Middle East. You partner up with the PGA Tour and then, you know, lose an element of control. Do you partner up with the Saudis and then take people with, you know, people take the moral high ground on you? Yeah, I think, you know, Keith Pally's interesting. There's a really good article by John Huggan, uh, which I read the other day, you know, really saying that the legacy of Keith Pally is actually, you know, people were very quick to criticize him. Um, and actually, he's done a pretty good job. Like when you look at his time when he stepped into the post versus now, you know, the DP World Tour could have folded really in, in, in some respects, couldn't it? In the time that he's been in office. And he's led it through to a point where there's a bit more progression for some of the players. Purses have kind of done okay. You know, there's, there's, it is a tricky job to do. You base, I would hate that, wouldn't you? Well, I'd hate to be yeah. in a position where you are, you know, you're literally sat there thinking, whatever I choose, I'm going to get nailed for this stuff. Mm. And you've got to do your best with it. Yeah, you know, I think some people would say, well, he's 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 turned the DP World Tour into a feeder tour for the PGA Tour. Now they're countless point to that is well the PGA tour's always been the bigger tour that the best in the world have played played at but he um or played on rather but he's formalized it and obviously there's been there's been much clearer messaging around the DP World Tour you know being almost like a subsidiary or a kind of a strategic junior partner of the PGA tour under under Pelly's sort of leadership. But as you say Sam, I don't know if he was really left with any alternative. Like if sponsors were pulling out there was a really tough market with with COVID there for trying to get sponsors to come and, you know, sponsor these events where there were fewer and fewer, you know, top 50 players going and play, playing in them. Uh, and he's just kind of managed to sort of steer a bit of a course where, um, you know, they've, they've gotten a lot closer to the PGA Tour. And I guess some of the successes would be the co-sanctioned events like the Genesis uh, Scottish Open. I'm sure he would have had some role to play in that you know, coordinating the, the the schedules and making making the case that, you know, getting uh top American players, top PGA tour players to come and play, you know, in Europe before the open would be a would be a good thing. So um it's a flip side yeah. to the coin though, isn't it? That you know, I agree with you, you know, argu- arguably, it's not even that arguable, but arguably he's kind of made into a feeder tour, but in doing so has kind of guaranteed a lifeline to a tour that had no long term future, really. And learn along some guarantees. Do you think we can read anything into the merger, the PGA Tour merger with you know, the public investment fund? And maybe, maybe he's you know heard been on the table, had some conversations, heard what's going on, and thinks you know not for me. There's two they, ways they, of looking at this. I think you could look at this as two isolated incidents. One guy wants to go move back home and take on a job in sports management, Maple Leaf, whatever it's called, you know, the other steps down from a high-profile post, and they're completely independent of one another. The other says, oh, this is all happening at the same time. You know, all of a sudden, you start thinking, oh, Rory's changed his tune, hasn't he? Quite significantly, last few weeks. Mm. You know, you think, you know, I don't know, far bit for me to say Jay Monahan's been on the ropes for a while, but, I mean, he's certainly not, you know, I'm pretty surprised he's still in post given everything that's happened and some of the U-turns that he's had to take. I think, well, I don't know. Is there some sort of bigger game at play? I I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm certainly haven't got any sources that would say to me, 
you know, oh, there's something much bigger at play here. But there is a possibility that if you were a bit more sceptical, you might think that. Do you not? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know whether, uh, this is maybe a, a slightly wild take, but I don't know whether from the guys who are at the head roles in these big organisations in golf now think about it in those kind of personal terms that they may have done or those the kind of points of principle that they might have done, you know, 10, 20, 30 plus years ago. Obviously, the organisations are a lot bigger now and the scale of them is such that, like, you know, you, you're getting in people who are sort of, hardened business executives i don't mean i don't mean that in a disparaging way but people who've just had very very successful careers i'm pretty sure um mine slumbers for example the rna you know worked for for, for a big bank i don't know if it was deutsche bank or hsbc and keith pelly's got a big background in media i think he was at rogers media and president of like you know sports network tsn so and, and monaghan's probably the same I, I just feel like they're they're probably a bit more kind of dispassionate objective kind of businessmen now than mm. than um in, you know than the, their kind of predecessors and so I, I don't know if he would be sort of backing away from it on moral grounds because well as far as we know there's no there's no real change of substance to the terms that he'd agreed with Monaghan previously back in April of 2023 uh, regarding the the PIF merger I, I just think there's you know you kind of go in do a job but it's a slightly shorter term than than, than maybe their predecessors would have served but um you know, it's probably a job well done and, and on to the next challenge would be my reading of it, but I don't know. Who knows? No, that... I think that's a great take. I think it's a great take. You know, it's not a, these things aren't vocations, are they? They're not sort of like callings of people who've been in the, you know, just in and around the game forever and it's sort of their turn to to sit there. I'm not suggesting that of other people, but, you know, there was, you know, I think it's fair to assume that people might, like you say, be a bit more dispassionate towards the role or whatever. And you just think, well, okay. I'm I'm kind of my time's my time's done now. I've achieved what I think I can achieve. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you know, just looking at the comparison, you know, Jay Monahan's sort of counterpart in the NFL, guy called like Roger Goodell, for example. He he's probably a more rare case nowadays. I think I'm I might be right in thinking that he joined the NFL when he was like straight out of college or straight out of school, like 18, 20 years old in like a backroom job and worked his way up to be NFL commissioner. I don't think that really happens anymore now in a lot of these big sport, you know, big sports leagues. I think it's more strategic hires from people who've got background in big business. And it makes sense because you're dealing with sums of money now that are just astronomical and, and um, you know, the kind of world of, of finance and law and, just you know media partnerships it's just all much more complex and, and kind of high value than it used to be and yeah maybe that's just reflected in kind of slightly shorter tenures and um you know being slightly less invested emotionally and personally in, in the direction that these things are moving i think it's certainly going to be an interesting period it's hard not to believe that jay monahan's is going to be in a job for that much longer but then again we've been saying that for ages and he's still yeah. he's still knocking around so you know it's such a strange one with the wraparound season because we just had the 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 century come through did you um watch any of the century you like the century i don't much so? i love it i think it's a really good event yeah i'd love I to actually, get the golf course wouldn't you i was yeah i have all if you said to me park the majors which events would you like to play the course You're century insane. probably Century would probably be like top five or so, only because when you watch it, you're like, 
this looks mental. Like they really struggle with their approaches to sort of distance. Clearly, there's such a monumental elevation change. I would just be fascinated to see the course. It's um, funny how they str- they struggle and then go and shoot thirty under there, isn't it? Like the, the scoring yeah. is always off the scale. Yes, it's ridiculous. Um, so many scoreable reaching holes like where it drains in. The vistas are like dramatic, and and there's, it looks like there's some fairly generous fairways. I guess this, it has to be generous because the scoring is just always ridiculous. And yeah, Hawaii. I mean, I've never been to Hawaii. I've never even got close to going to Hawaii, but I imagine it'd just be quite a nice, nice place to just go and go and tee it up and then yeah i think it's like the time of the year though you know like i've i feel like the events on the pga tour kind of help chapter the year a little bit so when you've come through christmas i'm not a big fan of that sort of post amble christmas new year you know it's all a bit dark you sort of you know gearing up to get back to work and stuff so when that comes on on the first thursday or whatever after new year you're like wow okay cool new year we're into it yeah, oh, it's a, it's a it's a limited field as well, so it's kind of smaller field. You can follow the action a bit. It's an ungodly time zone, so you're not really going to be worried about committing yourself completely to the conclusion. I quite like the century. I, I'm I'm, I know I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. It's been my top five staple PGA Tour events actually. You like who, won it? Yeah. who won it, Sam? Absolutely no idea. Absolutely no idea. <laughs> to be fair, we can forgive you on this occasion because you were. I think flying. we were boozing pretty hard in the in the Hoopy Match Club at the time. It's so another. Ak- Akshay Akshay was going good, wasn't he, on the Saturday? Because we were in Aitken having a few drinks in Whiskey Alley, and we're like, "Oh wow, he's he's looking really good." But then things had changed. And I didn't quite get to the top of the leaderboard to watch like conclude on Sunday night. Yeah, Chris Kirk, though, quite a good story again. Obviously, he um. He's had a good fight back last couple of years from, from some personal struggles. So he ended up winning. But I, yeah, it's um, I agree with you. I think it's one of the events that's worth watching for sure. Um, there's an event on this week, the Dubai Invitational at Dubai, Dubai Creek. That looks uh, like it's got a decent field. Yeah. Well, there is a story on this that we do need to go in on. It has got a decent field. And McElroy, I think McElroy set the pace yesterday. Um with a 62, nine under. Funny enough, I've actually played that golf course. <laughs> I didn't think it was that easy um, when I when I played I it. As easy thought, as Rory McIlroy found it. Yeah, I thought, oh, like, Funny yeah. that, isn't it? If you drive it 300 through the air, this might be easy. And obviously he drives it 320, so yeah. he got and made short short work of it. Um, but it, I did find it quite amusing. Do you guys see Eddie Pepperell's comments? No, no, go on, no. enlighten us. So, um, so Eddie, Eddie Pepperell went absolutely nuts um, about sponsored exemptions because Michael Jordan's director of golf at the Grove 23 got a sponsor's exemption. His name's Ken Wayand. He shot, he, he, so he started four, five, four, five, four, five, seven, five, four, three, and then oh, came shit. back in, I'm just looking back at it. 44 for an 87. He um, shot 82, but he followed up with an 82, no. to be fair, on today. Yeah, so. 87. Anyway, um, Eddie, Eddie Pepperell flew in and said, limited man field, and old Ken Wayan gets an invite and then does this. I don't care <laughs> if Ken from Barbie, it shouldn't happen. That's <laughs> savage. He's kind of got a point, to be fair, hasn't he? Yeah. Did Eddie Pepperell not make the field by, by some chance? Probably. And that's the other thing. I she's like, I hate, I always hate myself, but I like, can't resist doing it for a few minutes and just like going into the comment section on Instagram or Twitter and just seeing 
few people pile on Eddie and be like, well, you're, you're crap. You haven't even got invited to it. What have you ever done? And then someone's like, he came top 10 at the Open at Carnoustie. And it's just this back and forth, like the absolute worst of humanity comes out. But anyway. Oh, did- my God. You type this guy in. He's just littered across across yeah. Google. All you get is just salty takes about this guy playing. Yeah. Poor Ken. Poor Ken. Tough day. So, so no, oh. no. A, a bit of news of note from uh, from the divine divine invitational. <laughs> it's pretty. Well, else? Okay, but it's a great example, though, isn't it? It's a great example there. That's a really good field, and like, you know, it's very easy to to absolutely lambast the DDP World Tour. But that's a really solid event. Like, really good. I think it's more the relation when Bruce explains who he is. Who's like, he's Michael Jordan's cousin's brother's sports marketing guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's okay. some way south, isn't he? Of so you see, he's closed out Thursday, Friday at plus twenty-seven. Jens Dantorp has, you know, is, is penultimate plus ten. He could so, have shaved. He could have shaved twenty-six shots off his two-round score and still be a dead last. <laughs> twenty-six shots is a lot of shots. Hang on, uh, what? sixteen, sixteen shots, sixteen so shots. Good. I'm still working on South Time. Um, a couple of other little bits. I don't want to keep bringing us back to live and the PIF and the changing golf landscape and all that stuff. But Farmers Insurance, another sponsor of the PGA Tour that has announced it's not going to be renewing uh, its sponsorship of a, of a headline event, which is the, the Farmers Insurance Open at Tory Pines. So that's, as far as I'm aware, that's the Farmers Insurance and Wells Fargo in the last six mm, or eight votes. Yeah, nothing good, is it? We're out of headline sponsorship. Sam made a really good point. Uh... Was it Sam? It was somebody. Oh, I doubt it. Sounds unlikely. Uh, someone else made a very good point when we were out in America that if you are not top 50 in the world right now, uh, but you are on the PGA Tour, you've got like one year to just make as much hay as you can. Yeah. You've mm. just got to go absolute barbaric this year because we still got the elevated events, whatever they're called. You've still got good purses. There is going to be some money in the PJ Tour this year, but that is absolutely not guaranteed next year. So, some of the players, know. That are, you know, I don't know if it's a year. It could just fold, couldn't it? It feels like it could fold at any moment. Don't do you not think it could just be like any, you know, in in like two weeks' time, if they said, "Yeah, we're actually just going to cancel the rest of the season," and um, you know, we're going to go under this new umbrella tour. Like, I wouldn't be that surprised. What are they in terms of like headline PGA events? Probably something like 26, 30 a year, roughly. I think when you then take out, then if you got to take, you got to take out some of the, the co-sanctioned stuff with like DP World Tour, things like Dubai, you've got to take out the major. You take out sort of, okay, then maybe let's give them their 30, but you lose two sponsors in quick succession. That is a really bad trajectory because a lot of these sponsors are mainstay. Like they have them for years because yeah, they're, they're not like, queuing up. They've got to wait. No, it's, it's not like they're changing. So Plucky probably remember out the air here. I feel like someone who worked in the for the tour told me a few years ago now, pre-live, pre all that stuff, that it was like twenty-five to thirty million dollars to get headline sponsorship of a of a big PGA tour event. The bit and that's that I find... now, I think, as a result of Live and the PIF coming along. It's like I just can't imagine there are many big corporate sponsors who are going to go and pay fifty million dollars just be like, yeah, here you go, here's one event. And not many people are actually going to watch it. So much to risk. But even even then, it was 25 million. It's very difficult to understand how they're getting some payback on that. Yes, it's exposure. You know, they might do 
might do some good business there, but it's really hard to see what the return is, you know, when yeah. there must be stuff you can do in other sports, which just isn't requiring that level of funding. Or if it does require that level of funding, you'll get a lot more eyeballs on it because again, I hate to be keep banging the same drum. It's like golf is, and I think it's great for it. Golf is like a minority sport compared to, you know, major league baseball, NFL, NBA, Premier League football. Like it's just it's just in a different there's this there's, there's just so few people. We literally run a golf podcast and we don't watch PGA tour events with all that much frequency. I mean, do you need to hear any more? Yeah, it's strange as well. I mean, you, you've got to think that that the goal here with with Piff is just to throw so much money at it that you just drive PGA tour into ground. And once it's gone, it's like, okay, cool. Now we can just sort of normalize the levels here. Because if they keep, if we're wondering how an insurance company can justify spending 50 million quid on sponsoring an event, how do you justify dropping 400 mil, which is like more than, than they pay, they pay for Newcastle United in the premiership on John Rahm? I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a seller. It's a seller's market right now, isn't it? Let's be honest. You know, the, it's the stuff changing hands for whether it's purses, whether it's contracts to play, et cetera. You know, dare I say these endorsement deals, you know, there's a lot of news around those that we've just touched on. It's clearly a lot of money flying around. Will that stay? Don't know. But I think there'll be changes in the structure, which means this year, like you said, Tom, if you're outside the top 50, but you've got starts in good events, you know, it feels like this is a year to make some serious cash. There's a chance that you could be looking there in a few years' time going, oh, crikey, that's actually really diminished year on year. Um, anyway. Yeah. Moving Time forward, what, what's 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 going on in in the world in the next week? I'm not going to be around, so um... you're going skiing, aren't you? Which now I'll be honest, Tom, I have backed out of skiing holidays. The risk to the golfing season and our own livelihood is just too great. I know, and especially considering I'm still on the back management program, which is yeah, it's it it having to deal with that right now. Those two conflicting ideologies is it's difficult. Bruce, did you know Tom is nearly paralysed? I think if he just gets T-boned by a snowboarder on a blue run and then goes into solid, solid apres ski, that might just knock him back into shape and slip that disc right back into place. And he could be, you know, he, could, he might not need the back management program by the time he gets back. So He'd be full time Ironside if he's if he's if he's not careful. It's, 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 <laughs> he was a detective, wasn't he? Didn't he? Something like that. Sorry, um, in my head. Um. Yeah, Tom, you're you're not in a good way with that back, are you? No, but I find comfort in thinking that while I'm trying to to negotiate my way down a ski slope, that you're going to be just writing numbers in Excel spreadsheets and and striping seven eyes till your hands bleed. Mm. Well, We've decided we put some cards in America, Bruce. Oh, good for you. Oh yeah, yeah. This is yeah. So because we we were like, look, let's put our money where our mouth is. It's, you know, we're going to de declare it and we're going to put cards in, which is brilliant because when you get to try and use the England golf app or whatever it is in America, it doesn't work. So that fell out the sky pretty quickly. We phoned a friend of ours, um, codenamed JP, did not help us out, but he's got loads of cards in from various Def parts Definitely of the did planet. help us out. Apparently you go to his club secretary with them. Is that what you do? But, I mean, I quite I I have to have something that I'm sort of aiming for when I'm on the golf course. I mean, to give me a bit of like just to keep me keen. So it's a different discipline. We've sort of bagged on it pretty hard for a while. 
But the reality when we did that year-end podcast, I was like, shit, we literally put eight cards in in six different days last year. And Tom made a really fair point, which was your handicap is no truer because you're only putting them in on Saturdays because you're hardly putting cards in at all yeah. than if you were to just put a, a larger volume of cards in. I think as long as you take the good and the bad in equal measure, that is the key thing with this stuff. Um, as long as you're not sort of cherry picking or whatever. If you go um, and put in, you know, 68 round old Barnwell, 68 round tree farm, and then don't and then put not in, put in 110 from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, there's the 80 round uh, a hoopie or whatever. Then, <laughs> then that gets a bit sketchy. But yeah, as you say, take the good and the bad. Funnily enough, talking of New Year's resolutions, I uh, I've signed up for an indoor live in London back, back management program. No, 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 no. A simulator, a little simulator near the office um, in London. So I've I've gotten. I'm going to start going there. I think maybe once a week or twice a week for half an hour just to try and keep the keep the swing moving during the winter months and during the week funny enough there's actually quite a quite a lot of you know indoor simulators that are popping up in around central london obviously urban golf is is the sort of uh home away from home for for cookie jar um but there's a couple of other options as well like sort of you know in and around in and around the city so yes we're all kind of on that that new year's resolution high aren't we of, of trying to get better so you're hitting some balls at lunch. I'm going to do it, I think, maybe at lunch or maybe actually before work. I tend to find like I've got a bit more control over like my diary earlier on in the day, whereas in the evening, like I could I could book to go, but um, it might just, you know, it gets a bit harder. So I'm, I'm looking at trying to do mornings if I can, just sort mm. of, you know, trying. I think just somebody who's living in New York and he goes and hits balls in the morning. He's like, yeah, just go half an hour, hit balls, eight. 8.30, something like that, and then into work. Like, yeah, yeah, it's quite civilised, actually. It's quite a nice way to start the day. Yeah, if you hit it well, it's fine, isn't it? And you're not putting you're not yeah. The scar <laughs> tissue for eight hours, sitting there going, I'm just, just now I'm a hair too steep, B5. Just going, yeah, exactly. He's the model, isn't he? Just, you know. Can you imagine if you if you ended your last your last ball on a hosel and you had to go to work? It's just be like, it'd be well, catastrophic. Would you, Tom? You wouldn't. I don't just, know how it works. Perhaps you, if, if it's time limited, I don't know. Maybe we'll make it out. You get dispensed 50 balls. <laughs> Bring it works. back to me for a second. How far would you persevere, Bruce, with swing changes and a program of activity before you give it a miss? Not so it's not working. Um, a lot of people probably looking at that stuff now in the new year. I'm curious. As somebody who's been through more phases of this uh, yeah. and they've had hot dinners, I think you've probably got the got the answer on this. Well, you've got to figure it out. Like you've got to bring it back to, I think, like first principles before you make the change. It's like, why, why, why are you doing this? You know, you have to be like quite, I think, sort of open and frank about, you know, what you're looking to improve. Hmm. But like, you have to bring it back to stats. Yeah, if you can hit more greens in regulation, you're going to become a better player. That's just the reality of it. That there's a high correlation there, but obviously there's a huge amount of things that go into hitting more greens in regulation. So you know, maybe maybe you feel like you've got to drive it a bit better. So have you got to do something to fix your swing with your longer clubs? And, yeah, and he wants a bit more width at the top in transition, but he set me up. He's on this why? app. Why though? Why, why? My question for that is like, why do you want more width? Because I don't think that's I... deep enough. It's like, is it because you feel like you need to hit the ball higher? Do you feel like you need to therefore be shallower? Do you need more dynamic loft? Do you need to make sure that you're... All three were mentioned. Deep? All of those things. So that's <laughs> yeah. fine frames it yeah you want more dynamic loft you need to get it higher so okay 
maybe maybe you do need to make sure that you're like able to deliver the club appropriately and width might be part of that i'm not sure please put me on this app and you basically go in and i sort of like take a screenshot of my stats i send it to him yeah. he can read it messages back i post swings into it as well and then it's got like a body tracking thing on there as well so it's got like the yeah. pinpoints and stuff on oh, yeah. he'll do that you can then play you can then record voiceovers like my end or his end oh, nice. so i sent him something from like barnwell and he came back and was like yeah this is really good this one just looks like you've you've just collapsed in there just in transition or whatever this is what i'd be thinking so it's like real time it's quite impressive what's it um, called the app the app is called something called on form now the thing uh, is again we run a we should stop saying we run a golf podcast and how shabby we are at being attuned to these types of things but it's a pretty neat bit of technology yeah like it's really good and like i say the ability to put in you know you can slow it down very, very slow. You can put all this stuff like it tracks the key parts of your body automatically. You can record the voiceovers and it's just backwards and forwards with a coach. It's really clever. Um, Is that something that someone could do on their Todd or do they need a coach for that? I think there thing? are resources online. I'm not having that. No, I'm not having that. Don't teach yourself. Don't teach yourself. Yeah. You use fucking YouTube. Absolutely insane idea. I, I totally <laughs> you're doing there, Sam. If you have someone you trust and, and buy into, then then go for it. The crazy thing about this game, I remember chatting to a, a golf coach uh, who I won't name, but, you know, highly respected. Coached a lot of tour players, had a lot of success. He said that the reality... Johnson Yarwood, is it? The reality with golf coaching is that, you know, for any great coach or good coach, you know, a third of the players you see, you will make better. A third of the players you see will get worse and a third will just stay the same. And it's like, what other industry can you really think of <laughs> being the case? And that came from like, like a top coach in the world. I thought can that was- you imagine being a doctor? That like stayed with me though, because like, you went and saw a doctor and they're like, here's some drugs, <laughs> one third chance, <laughs> it's not going to end well for you. One third chance you'll get better. One third chance nothing will happen. You probably wouldn't like take that medicine. But um, yeah, on that bombshell, good luck to everyone who's who's trying to improve at this game in 2024. It's bloody hard. Um, just, just remember, just... you've got one third chance. Just one third chance. Just a final thought, Bruce. Uh, as a New Year's, New Year's resolution, could you get could you get a microphone? Do you think that's a doable thing? Yeah, yeah. If I could be reunited with mine, that would be amazing. I'm pretty sure they're at my parents' house, aren't they? Absolutely. Our just... all over the show. We need to get a handle on this, yeah. boys, because this is the year of you know taking this stuff seriously. And right now, I'm giving us a five out of ten. So we're going to have to get get sharper on this tom you've got your last holiday of the year coming up we wish you all the very best skiing key question have you taken out some sort of key man insurance or something if something happens up those slopes like there'll be responsibility of the jars yeah, my, yeah my, exactly my, my boss needs to take out some some insurance on me yeah i, I think so I, i'll look into that tomorrow and get that all sorted anyway all right well <laughs> that disaster until next time adios watch this Oh. Mm -hmm.